Chapter Twenty Five of the Story of Manhattan by Charles Hemstreet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Five: A Battle on Long Island. And now, early in the next spring, George Washington came again to New York, having at last forced the British troops from Boston. The city, which was under the control of the Patriots, was in a state of excitement, as it seemed probable that this was to be the next point of attack. Every person who favored the cause of the king, or who was suspected of favoring it, was looked upon with distrust. One-third of the citizens had fled. The soldiers of the Continental Army were arriving daily. Women and children were rarely seen upon the streets. Many of the royalists' houses, which had been closed when their owners fled, were broken open to give sleeping quarters to the soldiers. At the outbreak of the war, the people's grievance had been simply taxation without representation, but by this time the desire for complete independence had taken fast hold of them. This feeling swept through the colonies, and when the Continental Congress met in June of this year, it voted that the United Colonies should be free and independent states, and have no further political connection with Great Britain. A declaration of independence was adopted on July 4th, and the British colonies became the United States of America. A horseman brought the news to New York, and there was great rejoicing. The soldiers of the new Union, then in the city, were ordered to the common, and there, early in the evening, standing in a hollow square, close by where the city hall is now, and surrounded by a great concourse of people, Washington read the address that proclaimed the birth of a free and independent nation. Following the reading, the great throng applauded, and then, filled with enthusiasm, rushed away. At the City Hall in Wall Street, they tore down the painting of King George III, and trampled it underfoot. On again they went to the Bowling Green, and there they dragged down the statue of the same royal person which had been erected only a few years before. The scattered fragments of the leaden statue were afterward gathered up and molded into bullets. This same month, General William Howe, a commander of the British Army, had landed on Staten Island, with his brother, Admiral Howe, of the British Navy, and with the soldiers and sailors of their commands, made up a fine, well-drilled army of thirty-five thousand men, who had come to fight a force of twenty thousand recruits men not at all well versed in war, and nearly half of whom were ill and not able to be on duty. But Washington calmly watched the British on Staten Island, and the British ships, more than four hundred of them, in the bay, and was not at all dismayed. Once General Howe wrote to Washington suggesting measures that would lead to peace, but nothing came of it. Late in the month of August, the fighting commenced. General Howe led his forces to Long Island, led twenty-one thousand men, for he thought that the best way to capture New York was to first vanquish the army on Long Island by an overwhelming force. Then the subduing of the city across the river would be easy. Washington hurried what men he could across to Long Island to assist those already there. But even then the Americans were outnumbered as two to one. The Patriots fought long and well, but they were defeated. Two hundred or more were killed, 
and three times as many, including three generals, were made prisoners, but more than three hundred of the British were also killed. The day after the battle, the American army was in Brooklyn, penned in on the land side by the British troops, and on the other by the wide, swift-running river. It was raining in torrents. Washington was there. He planned a retreat that was to save his army. All the boats to be found along the shores of the island of Manhattan were taken to Brooklyn in the dead of night. Silently the soldiers were put aboard, so silently that although the British were almost within speaking distance, no sound of the departing army reached them. The point where they embarked was close by where the East River Bridge now touches the Brooklyn shore. It was daylight before the last of the troops got aboard, but a heavy fog shielded them as well as had the darkness. When the sun swept the fog away, General Howe gazed in wonder at the spot where the American forces had been the night before, but they were gone, with the swiftness and silence of magic. The magician was Washington, who had not slept from the hour of defeat until his men were safe again in New York. But they were not to remain there long, as more exciting work was before them. End of chapter 25